Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? We have something super awesome in store for you, not just for today, but a series that's going to continue for several months as we go throughout this entrepreneur journey this year. The Stronger Business Podcast has a special series, kicking it back to last year's Stronger Business Summit. We had the Strong Her Pathway and Track as part of the summit. It was by far the most popular and most heavily attended piece of the Stronger Business Summit. So this series is all about the women entrepreneur And this is going to be a special series on the podcast we're going to continue to host with my amazing friends and founders from the Business Reboot. Melissa and Corey, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to this special series. This is going to be epic. Are y'all ready? We are so excited. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yes, it's so fun. I emceed that tract last year. And let me tell you, those women were on fire. So I'm pumped about this segment. I love it. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun. And it's so relevant right now. I was reading an article yesterday about the wealth transfer, the baby boomer generation. The wealth transfer is about to be enormous, shifting from men to women. There's like a $30 trillion wealth transfer that's going to take place over the next decade where women are going to control most of the money. Women are starting businesses way faster than men now. They're owning more houses than men. There's a huge shift going on right now in the United States from entrepreneurs, business owners, and who's managing the money and who has control of those economic decisions. And I think the part that we're starting to see and understand is this transfer is happening, but I don't think it's being addressed properly from an education standpoint or from a communication standpoint. I think largely women business owners and entrepreneurs and women from a financial standpoint, they aren't still aren't getting the same access and same communication the male counterparts are on how to manage money or how to grow and run and start businesses. And we're here to change all that with this segment. Yes, let's, absolutely. hundred percent that. We're, we're really excited. It. Yeah. And this, is, and this is your target audience. All you, all the two of you do is pretty much female entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, yeah. mostly. We've got a couple of guys that work with us through coaching. Um, and it's been fun because like you were saying, like the education, I mean, it just is a different world as a female entrepreneur than it is a male entrepreneur. And so um, you having been that one guy that jumped into a program <laughs> full of women, you know that it, it uh, takes a little getting used to. And I will say that the guys that we've been able to help watching these businesses. Um, one of them, namely in particular, he's, it's a blue collar business and he is freaking killing the he's game. Killing he's amazing. And watching him co-lead with his wife and then watching how they've been able to create a customer base that's not only loyal, but um, really allows him to nurture and to just show up as um, a business owner that cares. It is creating loyalty like uh, like we used to see, things that we don't see so much mm-hmm. now. So I, I personally feel like a little female thumbprint on your business is um, always the best. Well, I think too, we try to take a holistic approach to looking at business and entrepreneurship and that it's not just about 
the money is not only about profitability, that it's the impact that you're making. It is, um, th there's just so many nuances that go into business and finance. Like Melissa was saying, the customer experience, the client journey, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And it's something that we really, really work um, closely with our clients in coaching is making sure that you have that holistic approach to looking at all the facets of business and, and how you are serving clients and customers. Yeah. And hey, guess what? You can be a dad that wants to um, not work all the hours of the day and uh, miss all the family time too. So that's been really fun to kind of give him perspective there. And I mean, it's just, it's just been awesome, but primarily we work with women and it is fun to see them create offers that sell and to see the experience that we've both had, which is almost 20 years each uh, in uh, you know entrepreneurship, really be able to help elevate other people's brains. We, we don't care if people know our names. We want them to know our clients' names. And that's exactly. the thing that's the most exactly. exciting. I love it. And and you, you mentioned the holistic approach and, you know, hammer that feminine female touch to business. I think that's huge right now. I was listening to a masterclass that, that Sarah Blakely has. And when she was first getting in business, like some guys came up to her and like, Hey, just to let you know, like business is war. Like you got to get ready to go to war. And she was like, I don't, I want business to be fun and enjoyable and everybody win and have an abundance mindset. I don't want business to be war. And I think that really dominant masculine mindset of sharks and go kill the competition and business is war. That's, that's in the past. Like that's, that's the hardest way to be successful nowadays and having a different approach to business. And I think largely of that is, is due to a lot of women getting in business and help changing the way a lot of males think about business and think about life in general. And it's, I know for me, having mentors and having colleagues like you guys and Sally and my wife and working with a lot of women business owners, like it's completely changed the way I approach business, um, the way I market, the the way I interact, the way we, way we do things from a presentation and a social media standpoint. And it's made us tremendously more successful. So this, while this is a strong her series of the podcast, it's honestly probably more helpful for the male entrepreneurs out there than the female on adapting and changing and doing things different and better because y'all are out there leading the path and and making it better for everybody, more fun, more enjoyable. So I love it. All right. Y'all are the teachers today. Y'all yeah. get to lead this thing. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to dive in first? Um, I, we got, you know, my side of things, which is the analytical number side. We got the creative side. We got the cheerleader side. We got all the ways you all are helping everybody get rich on your side of coaching and masterminds and workshops. Lead us. Let's dive into some content, some tactical items to help all those women out there make more money and become more successful. Well, you know what, Chad, I think it's interesting with what you were saying about how, um, you know, with, with the stats that you gave, you know, $30 trillion, um, that's a lot of, of economic, um, economic power right there. And especially in the hands of women, um, we all need to figure out how to speak the same language. And we talk about masculine and feminine energy and the way that you approach something from a very masculine standpoint or a very feminine standpoint. And I think that we need to learn to really kind of 
play the game or, or, or approach the business mindset with both. I mean, you've got to be able to have an offer that makes you money and you've got to be able to go out there and, and solicit the offers and to close the deals. That's that masculine energy coming in. You've got to be able to know your worth. You've got to be able to ask for it. You've got to be able to sell. But here's the thing. The magic also comes in when you can tap into that feminine energy. And I don't care if you're a dude or a girl, it doesn't matter. You need to also be able to shake a hand with kindness. You need to be able to have empathy. You need to be able to create things that people need and that are solving the problems that they have at hand, not just this thing that you think would be cool and sounds like a great business idea. And I think whenever we as business owners, male and female, learn to recognize and call out within ourselves that masculine energy of being you know, confident and say, no, I'm going to go and close Knowing this what deal. You want, being willing to chase it. Right. Go after it. Stop sitting in the wishy-washy. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I wish I could find a client that would pay me. You know what? Go out and get those clients. But then also having that softer feminine approach. And when you can marry those two, I mean, it is business Sky gold. Is I mean, and the thing is, is that women make most of the purchases in the household, right? Women are also... I think the stat is actually 85% of of household purchases are made by the women. But this is like- Judging by the number of boxes that show up on my porch every day, it's like I mean, 99, 99% <laughs> like, in my house. So I'm like, don't you worry about it. <laughs> I just buy big stuff every once in a while. It is not our fault that Amazon puts each individual item in its own package. And our, instead of one box, we get 17. But also like women just historically are more generous with the money that they get. I mean, we always talk- it, abundantly about how money in the hands of good people will change the whole world. It, it really will. And I'll be honest with you, like, and this is not like to bash men at all, but money in the hands of some people, like large sums of money, it's dangerous. <laughs> and so like, we, we feel like if we can help women, you know, step into that, like seeing their worth and then having real strategy behind the way that they're marketing themselves, the way that they're selling their products. Um, you know, we can be Kathleen Kelly. Like I know that in You've Got Mail, her shop closed because Fox Books came in. But um, but I, I'm venture to say that she probably walked away with some cash is what I'm saying. I will and say that was the first <laughs> business I ever wanted to own. I wanted to be Kathleen Kelly. I was like, I have, I'm an educator. That That's my, my education background. I was like, I want to own a children's store. And then the longer I thought about it, I was like, hold on a minute. She got eaten up by the big bad Fox books. So that's really not a good idea. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's right. But I do think that there is, there's something to be said about chasing business with not just your wallet in your like vision, but um, you also have to live with yourself. And so what we really want to encourage people to do is like the, the experience that um, let's say baby boomers had where they picked a job and they were in it for 40 years and they were loyal, like that's gone. I'm going to be honest with you. COVID showed that that was gone. Like it, it does not exist anymore. And I don't wish entrepreneurship on my worst enemy if they're not made for it. Do I believe everybody should own a business? No. Yeah. Do I think they, they could? Yes, but you got to really want it. But I do think that if you want it and you surround yourself with people who can encourage you, and help you get there. Um, it takes a lot of grit, but it's absolutely worth it. And I think that um, it is really fun to be able to see women stepping into a, a, an industry like entrepreneurship in the way that they are. Like, I'm pumped I, I, about it. I agree. And I think it brings, it's interesting. You talk about the money side, the profit side. I And, and uh, there's, there's a lot we'll talk about today. And, you know, this does not apply to everybody, of course. Um, but I feel like from a male perspective, we can get 
total tunnel vision from a goal standpoint or a profit standpoint or a money standpoint. And and honestly, some like you mentioned, Melissa, some problems with too much money getting into some hands and and not necessarily have their own intentions starting out, but just make some bad decisions moving forward with it and use money as a way of control in different aspects. But it I feel like for the women business owners, it is way more abundance, a way more sharing of of resources, of wealth, of cheerleading, of helping other people, and a way more authentic and trusting approach to business. It's not so tunnel visioned around a goal or profit or X amount or a competition. And and I think the days of the kind of shady salesman or or those type of environments that we've seen a lot, especially through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, those are transitioning out. And business in general on both sides is becoming a lot more authentic and organic and a lot more trusting and a lot more sharing. And and I think that's that's true sales. That's building a sustainable business. That's building something where everybody starts winning together. And that's, I don't know, that's what I, I've I love the side of business where everybody wins, the customer, the business owner, the vendors, the suppliers, um, the community, the employees. And when we can we can all work together to educate and share and build that environment. Um, I, I think that's the the ultimate goal of stronger business, stronger business owners, stronger communities, and everything just starts to flourish from there. So I'm super excited to really dive in and and just see where we go with this. What from y'all's side, what's what's the biggest hurdle to overcome for starting out or for getting to a certain level of success um for the female entrepreneur? Is it the confidence to start? Is it the undervaluing, you know, their product or service? What do you see on your side and how do they start to over become overcome that? I think that one thing that women have the ability to to do that is underutilized is uh, by by maybe men in business is that we very much embrace the power of and there is not an or we can't we you cannot be successful if you are an or person it's this or this um it has to be and and you have to figure out how that is how that looks for you um but i think for us the the people that we're serving we see a lot of, i mean it's a lot of mindset but it's also a lot of strategy it's a lot of throwing noodles at the wall and just hoping they're done and they'll stick um and that, <laughs> that's not that's a great not a strategy, strategy. <laughs> and you know what though i will say people will people i'll say people i don't know who people are but i've heard in the past the people the people <laughs> Um, that, um, you know, women are more emotional. They're more to their feelings. Feelings are not a business strategy. Yeah. It's not going to help you. It's not, not going to work. But um, what we what we have realized is that we will get in our own way. We'll get in our own head. You'll let, um, we will breathe things over ourselves that nobody's actually said, but we're just afraid that one day they could say, like, you're not good enough at this. Or we are terrified of competition and we'll get wrecked emotionally and mentally by that. Um, and then um, at the same time, not having proper and adequate encouragement and support around you, accountability will allow your business to run an autopilot in a way that is um, damaging. So like that, and that's one thing that we've done is we have actually created a workshop series that's, that is 
um, aimed to help people audit their business so that they can see what's working and what's not working. And you want to lean into the stuff that is working and start getting out. We And I don't know, I don't know, because I'm not a dude. So you tell me because you own businesses, but we'll see people. Um, we almost feel like in order to justify the price, we have to bulk up whatever it is that we're selling. So I'm not only selling, you know, a bouquet of flowers, but it is a bouquet of flowers with, um, you know, like velvet ribbon and these special papers that I'm wrapping it. Nobody cares. It's a brown bag and a ribbon. Just put the flowers in the brown bag and the ribbon. Like we don't have to bulk it up and, you know, make it really like colorful, flowery language about what's so special about this. Like we can strip it down and say that this is the price because it's worth this much rather than having to feel like we're, it, it still feels like you're trying to convince people that you're worth paying for. And so that's something that we work through a lot with the women that we serve um, and just helping them process the the value that they do deserve for charging what they do. Well, and I will say another thing that we are watching happen over and over again, and we have over the years, this is not a new thing, but the martyrdom of women in business and that we will be the first to say, you know, when something happens, it's instantly, well, let me go fix that. Whether it's like you have a business that you're running and there's like a family situation, we will be the first to pull back oftentimes and be like, well, let me pull back from what I'm doing and what I'm offering. Let me go fix the situation or, or you have a you know, whatever it, whatever kind of life situation that happens, or a spouse needs you, or or something's happening, and it's we will be the first to put our thing on the back burner to make sure that, and instead of kind of approaching it as a team effort with spouses and saying like, I mean, let's talk about this. So how how are we as a team going to approach this versus just the the female part of this? Um, this union saying, you know what, I'll, I'll just fix it. I'm the fixer. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And, and we have watched that happen with women putting their dreams and their abilities and their time and their talent on the back burner always, because they will mm, bend and sway in the service of others always, but then they will be mad about it Mm -hmm. because you can't have, you can't have that and that. Sorry. How dare you ask me to (laughs) leave my work so I can go pick my sick kid up from school. But also I am his mother. I have to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So let's, let's kind of dive into both of those topics. Cause I'll, cause I love the, the kind of dynamic there of we're, we're way more similar than you think in one and we're, we're not at all in the other. So, Melissa, you talked about the flowers and needing to oversell and talk about the pretty ribbon and the different colors and this. That same, I mean, I talk from my experience and my business partners, which has primarily been other male business owners and entrepreneurs. Uh, we have the same problem there. We we have the same issue of trying to sell the features. Like, let me let me tell you about all the bells and whistles and all the things and why you should pay $100 for this or why this is worth this. And let me tell you about the car that has this and electronic windows and heated seats and blah, 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 blah. And it took, it truly took 15 years, maybe even longer than that for me to learn. And it was actually a podcast guest that really helped me learn that Kevin Scott, who was a speaker at one of the very, the very first Stronger Business Summit. Features aren't what sell. You sell solving a problem where you sell the feeling. Here's you're driving down the road with the windows down and feel like you own the world or you come in the house and it's beautiful and there's fresh cut flowers and everybody's happy and somebody's making dinner with music playing like you sell the the feeling or the result 
the way you feel about it, not the features. And and that's for for us as entrepreneurs, for me as a business owner, that was so hard to learn in everything from from services to products to events to coaching. I want to I want to put a thousand details in there so you see like oh my god I'm getting all this for this amount of money and at the end of the day that's that's not what people want to hear that's not how you sell something and that's not really how you appeal to your customer and I think there's a lot of similarity there that we probably don't realize from the from the female entrepreneur and business owner standpoint and the male side um, I think we're very similar there but Corey what you talked about on on your side of dropping everything or feeling the responsibility to pull back or, Hey, turn the lights off on the business today. I got to go deal with some stuff at home or something's happening on the home front or some other things. I think it's the complete opposite in at least my world or most worlds I've been a part of from a male entrepreneur and business owner standpoint is work almost comes higher priority. There's, there's almost more guilt and more responsibility to a client that needs something at nine o'clock at night than at home or the family or something's broken at the house or the trash needs to be taken out or somebody's sick or the kid's got to get picked up from school. And so it's interesting. I feel like there's a whole different mindset that's similar in a lot of ways, but completely different in others. Right. Right. I think, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I used to laugh because we had several friends having a conversation. I'm like, well, yeah, they can do that because they have a wife. I don't have a wife. Like, like you get us some of those. Like, I mean, like, really good stuff. Just me up for for the wife. Like, I don't like. I don't. That doesn't happen. Like, and that's the thing is, for instance, my husband was a thirty year career marine, and he could literally walk in the door and say, "Hey, babe, I got to go. Um, you know, I'm I'm flying out with the president this week," and grab his bags and like I he, I'd be like, "Where are you going?" He was like, "I'm watch the news." And I'd be like, "Okay, I'm love you, bye." And he could literally walk away from our life and not have to worry about the kids not getting fed or like going to to ballet. Like that was the way our life was structured. And I think a lot of family dynamics in America can be that way too. But I will say we always had very good communication. And I remember, and we've shared this in a couple of coaching calls recently, he was looking at retiring at the 20 year mark. And, and, you know, me being an educator, I have my master's in, in, in education and, and I am a former classroom teacher. And so we have the conversation, what will our life look like if you get out of the Marine Corps at 20 years versus staying to 30? What, what kinds of, again, having those open lines of communication and, and the sacrifice and, and the give and take in our marriage and our relationship and in our work-life balance. And I said, listen, if you get out at 20, then I will have the opportunity to and the time to go back into the classroom, possibly build out an education career, have a pension, like all the normal things we thought we were going to do. But I have built this business. And I'm going to tell you right now, it gives me the flexibility to, to work really hard at this thing, but then also be a great mom and be able to be there for the girls and do all the things. If you stay to 30, I'm not spending 10 years building this amazing business that I have fallen in love with and I'm watching it be so impactful for our family and for the families of others to at 30 years, you look at me and say, okay, you know, tag, you're it. You go back into the classroom, you build out your career. I'll be 45 by then. So this was, you know, years and years ago. And I said, so you need to decide now, are you staying to 30? Because if you are, then this is, I'm, I'm going all in with business and that's going to be my sole focus. And I will craft it with our family in mind, but I'm going full force at it. And he was like, no, I'm staying to 30, go for it. And so then as we got closer to him retiring at the 30-year mark, this was two or three years ago, 
I was like, okay, remember that conversation? I'm going to remind you, this conversation we had 10 years ago, you said, hey, you don't have to go back in the classroom. Business is it for you. And he was like, and I'm still I'm still in agreement with you. Keep going with business. It's something you're passionate about, something you love. It's something that has become very profitable. So go for it and we'll figure this out. And so I think when you, in terms of like the male and the female perspective on those things and the family dynamics and marriage and all those things, you've got to have that communication and you've got to decide what works for your family, what works for your individual business, what works for your financial goals. Um, but it, it is something that we're watching happen um, again and again with spouses. Well, and we see, we, we do see, and I, I don't know any um, male entrepreneurs that have dealt with this problem. So I can just say it's females, but we'll see um, women who say that their spouse doesn't really love their business that much because it takes up too much of their life um, or, you know, they just get frustrated by it. But when we listen to the language that they use when they talk about their business, it might as well, you know, be an ax that's chipping away at their ankles every day. And I'm like, why would he love something that right. abuses that you, you? That makes you miserable. That like that makes you feel awful. And so we always, which is why we encourage coaching for people like, yes, your spouse is fantastic. They're going to love you, support you and help you spend that money. But they are not the person that should be dealing with the brunt of your problems because all it does then is shape their view of your business and and based on how it's treating you. And so we we get to watch and and fortunately we get to help kind of reshape and then take some of that load off. But um, it can be like debilitating to feel like, and, and thinking about on the other side, I remember my husband always used to say when I when I was a photographer and I would shoot weddings or even when I'm gone to conferences and things that we're speaking at now, um, people were like, oh, you're babysitting. And he's like, no, they're my kids. That's like, <laughs> this is that. what we do, right? So we're both really lucky that that's the dynamic in our family. But we we will say that we have not um, dealt with many male entrepreneurs that say martyrdom is something that they struggle with. All right. So that this is huge. And it comes back to communication, Corey, something you mentioned. But Melissa, you mentioned the way female business owners talk about their business and then the way we interpret things on the male side or the husband side. I think it's extremely different or at least comes back to my relationship for Lauren and I, I want, I don't know if it's personality. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's, it's other husbands. I am a fixer. I want to fix things. Like I'm not a good listener. I just want to, I want to fix shit. And so if I hear Lauren complaining about something or, or talking negatively about something, my immediate response is like to fix it. Like if she were to say, Hey, I hate dealing with this rental property. I hate doing this boutique hotel, blah, blah, blah. It's keeping me up all night. You know, I'm like, all right, let's sell it. And to, tomorrow morning I'll call an agent and like, we'll put it on the market. <laughs> but she just, right. she just wants me to listen. Which is, like, you have to share. it doesn't mean she wants to sell it or quit or walk away from it. It doesn't mean she doesn't love it and want to do it for the next 30 years. But all I hear is this is terrible. This is like causing her pain. And I'm just like, all right, we'll just sell it and you can just hang out and take care of Beckett. Cool. No problem. Right. I fixed it. And it's like, no, 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 that's that's wrong. And I think that's that's a huge thing for no matter what side you're on as business owner, entrepreneur versus spouse. Like I know for us in our relationship, I have to I still to this day, like I have to sit over there, like put my hands under my legs and it's like, be quiet, Chad, be quiet, Chad. Just listen. Be quiet, Chad. <laughs> Be quiet. Like right. it's so hard. 
Is yeah, that, we, do, we talk about that a lot. We talk about it because um, we always say, if you're going to have a conversation where you're going to have emotions about the situation, make sure that you look at your person, whether it's your spouse or a friend or whatever. And, and you say, well, we always ask the question, are you looking for me to fix it? Or are you looking for me to just hear you out? And more times than not, the answer is just hear you out. And if at the end of the hear you out, they want feedback, because I'm going to go ahead and just throw myself under the bus here. There's <laughs> nothing worse to me than somebody coming at me complaining about something and being like, I mean, what would you do? And then you tell them and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You just wasted all my time. So um, I think that, you know, making sure that you're asking that, are you here for feedback or are you here for help? Like that's huge. Well, all right. So what's the right, what's for the business owner, for life in general, what's the right mindset? Should you always be positive and just say positive things and drown, put the negative out of your life? And like, I love my business and it's great. And try to like really focus on the grateful, positive side of everything. Like I'm so great. I got really terrible customers that are complaining and texting me at nine o'clock at night. I'm so lucky. To, or is it okay to vent and talk negative to your spouse about this stuff or talk negative about your business? What's, what's the right of, what do you, what do y'all coach? What do you teach? What's the right approach there? Well, I know for us, especially when we're working with clients, we're just like, what's working and what's not working? If you don't address the what's, I mean, we are not Pollyannas by any means. I mean, it might come across that way, but I will tell you right now, we have had some hard days, and <laughs> but we call those out. And I think that that is where with a business coach or with a friend or with your spouse, if you if you can have those conversations and, and they don't just jump into fix it mode, that you can say like, God, this thing, because what, sometimes when you just talk it out, you actually will answer your own oh, problem gosh. or your own questions once you say it out loud. And having that feedback, I know I'm an interpersonal learner and I work really well in a group setting because it's like we the energy and the ideas and like it feeds off of one another. And I think there are a lot of other people that are like that too, not everybody. But I think that when you say, okay, what's really working? And that's what Melissa and I do with our clients. What's working? Let's let's focus on the good part because there are also people who will be like, nothing's working. Everything's trash. Like those are our Eeyore friends. We have those too. That's okay. But we want to say what's working and then like, let's celebrate that. There are good things, you know, that are happening in your business or in your life. But then let's look at okay, what's not working. If your clients are not happy or you are having the same problems over and over and over again, let's look at what's the common denominator. It could be that there's a system in your business that's broken or there's a piece of it that that is um, it's detouring people out of the line of success. Or maybe the common denominator is you. Like that's a hard, but that can, also, that can also be fixed, but we can fix that. Right. We can go back and look at, well, these are the things that are working. These are the things that aren't working. So now let's tackle those things and let's put a strategy and it may be a strategy that needs to be in place. Maybe you are working with the wrong kinds of clients. Maybe your offer is not actually being utilized to the best of its ability for the clients that are coming to you. And you need to tweak that offer. Maybe it is your communication. You're calling in the wrong people. Mm -hmm. You know, no wonder I mean? people aren't. No, and I will tell you, we see a lot of people calling in the wrong people mm -hmm. until they raise their prices and then they call in the right people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it, it has so much to do with making sure that things are aligned in your business in the right way so that it's getting the the tone and the message across that you want to. But but really, like it, it, it's, it is... Hmm, it's just important for for the communication aspect to feel transparent. I I will say we talk about this a lot 
with how every situation we feel like is one conversation away from a completely different outcome. And we know that that's good or bad. Um, but I think that especially when it comes to um, the the struggles that you have as an entrepreneur, like, yes, the transparency is really good. But I also think that we like, can we be done and like flush down the toilet, the era of everything has to be perfect and happy as you're running this business? Like I said a minute ago, I wouldn't wish entrepreneurship on my worst enemy if they're not made for it, because there will be nothing that feels more defeating than creating something that you feel really passionate about and really excited about and then not being able to sell a damn thing. Like that is awful. It feels hard and it makes you like you might as well put that on a sandwich and eat it and it's going to be in your gut and that's just where it's going to sit because it's hard and it can be really hurtful but um surrounded by the right people and then being able to have productive conversations is vital it's vital it's the only thing that keeps it functioning and growing and um you don't have to just you know put a happy smile it's it's kind of like the um, the stereotypical, like smile, it makes you prettier. Like we don't do that. We can't, mm -hmm. none of us can do that. No entrepreneur can do that. Um, because when it's hard, it's hard, but we know that the reason why it's worth fighting for it is because when it's good, it is so good. All right. So I a hundred percent agree being a business owner and entrepreneur is by far times a thousand, the hardest thing I've ever done. It's, it's the most demanding, the most physically, mentally challenging thing I've ever been a part of. But 25 years in, it still is. It's it's so hard and there's just new challenges and obstacles and there's never perfection and there's never a finish line. And that's part of what we love and part of the why you have to be built for this. Now, that's coming from my side. I don't carry the the guilt or the burden of feeling like I got to take care of the family or I got to drop everything to go do with some other stuff. And <laughs> I know, right? So, no. <laughs> so, how, so yeah. for for the for the women business owners, the female entrepreneurs, how do y'all? How do you all coach that? How do you help overcome that or figure that out? I don't. I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's it's the hardest thing I've ever been a part of. Without that, you bring that piece into the mix where you're harboring like juggling other balls and guilt, and your mind's in different places at different times. How? What are y'all teaching there? How, how are y'all helping people figure that piece out? This will be you because we're, we're talking about seasons. This is her right. favorite thing to My talk about. My favorite thing to talk about is seasons is that, yes. you know, here's the thing is that your business may look very different. For instance, I started my business. Um, our girls were in elementary school. And so the uh, the capacity that I had then when I was first starting out was very different than the capacity I have now with a 25-year-old and two 21-year-olds. They're all the way in college. Grace is out of grad school and is working, you know, for a university. So I have way more time and I have more mental capacity because I'm not sharing all of it as, as a mom. I mean, do I get texts and phone calls every day? Absolutely. And I will love that. I will love that into my dying days. I will always be their mom. Um, but when they were little, I knew that I had these boundaries within which to work from the time I dropped them off at school until I picked them up at school. I wasn't going, I mean, I went, I walked the dog or I ran the dog. We were living in Hawaii at the time. I was running the dog. And then instead of having coffee with friends and then running errands and then going, you know, to lunch with a friend and then going shopping, like that was not my day. I had very strict hours within which I was working on and in my business. And then I, Kevin actually deployed to Afghanistan during that time. And so I hired a high school um, kiddo and she would come and spend the night with us Friday night because I would do early morning sessions on the beach on Saturday mornings. So she would get my girls up and dressed and fed 
for our volleyball and cheerleading days, I would run and shoot with a family and then I would come in, drop her off at home and I would go be mom for the Saturday portion of our day. But I still was able to work work in that season with clients. I just had to get real creative with that. And as a female trying to do all the things, that's part of what I had to do. But I knew that there was that was not a capacity. I wasn't at capacity during that season to teach, to coach, to speak. Now I have more of that capacity. Then whenever they got a little older and were a little more self-sufficient, I was, you know, shooting in the evenings because they could, I could get dinner started at home. They could finish it. I would go out and shoot and then I would come back in and we would all sit down and have dinner together and run everybody where they needed to go for evening activities. That was a different season. So each season of my life and motherhood and business, it it morphed and it changed. And I was I was able to do that because I had the finger on the pulse of what my business needed and what I had the capacity for. Instead of getting frustrated and saying, like, you have a newborn on your on your hip and you're wanting to run this business, but it's really hard to take calls during the day with a newborn on your on your hip. Okay, well, then you probably either need to shift the way that you're serving in your business, or you need to have a boundary of childcare. You have a nanny or you drop your kiddo off so that you have that window of time that you can work within your business and take client calls. So I think that that is where you just have to get really creative. You have to be really resilient and you have to look at what's your capacity. I know we've coached with clients that their business, they wanted to double their income in a year's time, but yet they had two little ones at home. And we were like, okay, it can happen, but there's some but sacrifices like this. that yeah. are going to have to be made. And this might not be the year of growth that you're pushing on the gas because you're getting ready to grow a human. Right. Like you are literally going to grow a human within your body. Mm-hmm. So growing your business, that might not be, that might not be the thing that should be on your to-do list. Let's save that for next year, but let's put in place the things this year that's going to lay the groundwork and lay the runway ahead of you so that next year when you are in not in that season of of growing a human, then you can focus on growing your business again. Right. We talk about scalability a lot. We talk about scalability a lot in seasons two. And we've got a workshop for that at the end of this year. And it's it it is just really, I think, necessary for us to look at business differently than we have before. Because again, like we said a minute ago, it's not just about numbers, but it's also about and about capacity, but also like what do you want your life to look like? while you're making this money if yes. your is not reflective of like, if you make all this money, that's cool. But what are you, when are you going to have time to spend it? And so and what if you ruin your marriage in the middle of it? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, that's why we say embrace the and like, I don't want to, um, I, we, you know what? We're real selfish. We want both. <laughs> we want to make the money and do all the things. And that's, I think for everybody out there listening, every business owner out there, especially if you're in the early stages of your business or you're thinking about getting in business or starting something, the piece we miss, like all of us at different parts of our life, especially in the early days of starting business, we started a business to serve us as the business owner. Like We care so much about serving the customer or our goals, we quickly lose sight of serving ourselves. Our business needs to serve us as the owner. If not, we can be an employee somewhere else. We can go work for somebody and and have requirements and things that we don't want to deal with. But to take the risk to be an entrepreneur, to take the risk to be a business owner, to go through all it takes and all the challenges and struggles, your business has to serve you. But I, I see so over and over again, new business owners like, oh, I, I want to own my own business because 
I want to go to my kids' baseball games. And I want to spend Saturdays with them. And so I'm starting a used car business. And I'm like, people only buy cars after work in the evenings or on the weekends. Like, why the hell are you starting a new a used car business when you're trying to like have more freedom in the afternoons and on the weekends? Like this is crazy. That business can never serve you. And so, yeah, what are your goals? The and the life business balance, I think that's huge. And Cordy, kind of what I picked up that you really emphasize there, three things just kept popping in my mind. Priority, sacrifice, time blocking. Mm-hmm. Like you that. can be a mom, you can run the household, you can do multiple things in different seasons and be a business owner. You do need to make sure your business serves you in that season. If you don't need to be taking phone calls, your your customers need to just have an email only access or you need to hire somebody. But it is going to take prioritizing, sacrificing other things, lunch with friends, going to yoga at 10 o'clock, those different things. And Uh it's going to take time blocking and discipline to get crap done in the limited time you have, which for everybody out there listening, those are all skills. Those are all things you can master. Those are all things you can learn. We are not born with those things. Some of us aren't naturally good at those things. We get those through just skill sets and learning how to be more disciplined, learning how to prioritize, learning how to time block. And that's that's for all of us out there. We all should probably be doing a better job of that because that gives us more freedom and more time to do the things we love or be with the people we love. So that's huge. And there's I'm so excited for this series. I'm so excited of, of all the things we're going to cover as we go down this stronger version of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're going to stop for today because this has been epic content. It's only going to get better as we dive more into this. Where do people find you two at? How do they connect? How do they learn more and just see all the wonderful things y'all are doing? Yes. Okay. You can find us on the Instagram at (laughs) The Business Reboot. You can also go to our website at thebusinessreboot.com. We have a podcast called The Business Reboot Podcast. That is everywhere that you listen to podcasts, including this one. And um, yeah, send us messages. We love to hear from people. We love to hear people's problems and see if we can solve them. I cannot encourage you all out there listening to enough to connect with The Business Reboot. Melissa and Corey, there's all sorts of celebrations and educational content going on, like confetti raining down, <laughs> different uh, milestones y'all are reaching. It's super fun to watch. I love it. Y'all been super inspiring to me. Um, for my side, Instagram, you can find all sorts of tax tips and financial knowledge and things I'm sharing at Chad Brown CFO uh, on Instagram, Stronger Business to connect with the podcast. And uh, you all go out have a stronger weekend, put some of these things to work, and we'll see you next week in another episode of the Stronger Series coming soon. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.